Welcome to Room 106. I'm Richard Garlick from Planning Magazine. And I'm John Gagan, also from Planning Magazine. Every fortnight, we enter Room 106, the den of discomfort into which all new planning information is deposited, and extract the key things you need to know. In this edition, the government's long-awaited response to feedback on its proposals to increase the planning fees charged by local authorities. We'll discuss what will change and when. Some good news there for councils. Although within a few days, the Leveling Up Department had also announced proposals to extend permitted development rights, which often don't require fees, we'll explain what's being suggested. We'll also summarise key elements of other government documents published last week, including the consultation on changes to local plan making, proposals to change the planning system for nationally significant infrastructure projects, and new guidance on when planning permission is needed to allow development intended to enable working from home. And we'll also round up some of the other big news stories of the past fortnight. So, ready to go in? Okay. Well, here we are again in room 106. It's looking absolutely stuffed this week. Yes, someone's clearly told the levelling up department officials that they need to finish their document writing before going on holiday for the summer. Thankfully, it looks like we have some help in digesting it all. Yes, emerging out of the gloom is our online editor, Toby Porter. Hello, Toby. Hello. So, Toby, the levelling up department last Wednesday published its response to the feedback it had received on its proposals for changing planning fees including confirmation that a fee hike of 35% for major applications will come into force next April and a tightening of the timescale for the planning guarantee. So can you just fill us in on the details of the application fee rises? Well, February's consultation proposed an increase in planning fees for major applications by 35% and all other applications by 25% from summer 2023, apparently subject to consultation and parliamentary approval. The government response confirms that the fee rises will now take place, but they'll come into effect on the 1st of April next year. The response says that the government intends to increase fees annually in line with inflation. Currently, Parliament must legislate to enable fee rises, but the response says that under the new system, rises will occur automatically on 1st of April each year from 1st of April 25, using the Consumer Prices Index from the previous September. Any annual fee increase will be capped at 10%, and this measure is included in regulations laid before Parliament last week. Okay, so very good news for councils, and probably accepted as good news across the planning sector, because there's been widespread support, even in the private sector, for application fees to be raised to generate more resources for planning authorities. But the other interesting thing was about what restrictions there would be on how this money could be spent. So will the income from the fee rise be ring-fenced for planning? Well, yes, the response says 88% agreed with that idea. 8% did not, and 4% didn't know. However, the measure won't be taken forward, the response says. And I quote, as this would impose a restriction on local authorities when they are best placed to make decisions about funding local services, including planning departments. However, 
the levelling up department would expect local planning authorities to protect at least the income from the planning fee increase for, it says, direct investment in planning services. Okay, so that's all a bit confusing. It sounds like they they expect this to happen, but they aren't going to make a rule that it must happen. And um, I'm sure that a lot of people in those planning departments will be conscious of the fact that when a local authority is faced with a choice between spending on statutory services, things that he has no choice but to spend money on, such as social care, and something that he may want to spend money on, but it isn't absolutely required to by law, such as its planning department, it just feels often it has no choice but to take some of those planning resources and put them elsewhere. But anyway, that's uh, that's a longer debate. So were there any other U-turns in this consultation? Well, the consultation had originally mooted the doubling of fees for retrospective planning applications. But again, the document says doubling retrospective fees could result in an increase in unauthorised development. Instead, the government said it would look at this at the next available opportunity, it says. Okay. And what about other key proposals that were announced? The consultation had also asked for responses on whether the government's planning guarantee, which gives applicants the right to a refund of fees if their submission is not determined within 26 weeks, should be set at 16 weeks for non-major applications and retained at 26 weeks for major applications. The response confirms that the measure will be taken forward. Local planning authorities will still have the option of using extensions, but these should only be used, it says, in exceptional circumstances. The measure is also included in the regulations laid before Parliament this week. And the consultation had floated changes to the local authority planning performance framework. What's happened with that? There is talk of performance being assessed on the percentage of applications that are determined within the statutory determination period, not an agreed extended period of time. Other proposed metrics included the number of extensions of time agreements between applications and councils, the quality of decision making, and the percentage of committee decisions refused against officer recommendation that are subsequently allowed on appeal. Some respondents felt that a new performance framework should be delayed until the benefit of fee increases had been felt. But the consultation says, we are clear that an increase in planning fee income and resourcing to local planning authorities must lead to improved performance. It adds that we recognise that local planning authorities need a period of adjustment to any new planning performance framework and just says that it would reiterate our commitment to consult further on including thresholds and assessment periods. Okay, so there's going to be new duties or or new sort of measures that local authorities or or new performance measures that local authorities are um, are targeted against um, as part of all this. So we'll wait to see what happens as far as that's concerned. Toby, thank you very much indeed for that. Really useful to have an oversight of what the government is saying. And clearly, that's uh, really important information for anybody working in a local planning authority or indeed working with planning authorities. I'll leave you to uh, sift further through the document and see you back in Room 106 soon. Thank you. Okay, John, so to start off with, which permitted development rights are the government proposing to change? There's a huge amount of changes in the uh, consultation. 
They include revisions to the Class MA PD, right, which allows the conversion of commercial business and service uses to residential without the need for a full planning application. Other changes include allowing hotels to convert to housing under PD rights, revising the existing right, allowing betting offices and payday loan shops and arcades to change to housing, changes to the Class Q right that allows agricultural buildings to convert to housing, changes to certain PD rights allowing what's called agricultural diversification and applying local design codes to some of the PD rights. Okay, just to take one of those, Class MA, the right that uh, allows offices to be converted in in many instances into uh, into housing, that's been very controversial. How are they proposing to change it? So the government's considering expanding the scope of the right, essentially, to remove any size limits, potentially remove any size limits. It's also proposing to remove the requirement that it would only apply to vacant premises and removing the ban, the current ban, on its use in areas of outstanding natural beauty and national parks. So the current size limit under the right is that only up to 1,500 square metres of commercial business or service use are allowed to change to residential. The consultation document says the government is considering whether this should be doubled to 3,000 square metres or even have no limit at all on the amount of floor space that can change use. Another change is to the current vacancy requirement, which says that any premises subject to the right must be vacant for at least three months before the application for prior approval is submitted. And it's asking whether this should be removed. Of course, because one of the big fears, wasn't it, was that that you'd have offices that were performing perfectly well, where the landlord was perfectly happy for them to continue as offices. But when it became clear that a bigger return could be gained by converting it to housing that businesses would be sort of thrown out of their existing accommodation. Yes, that's right. Another significant change would be allowing what the consultation document calls a broader range of areas to benefit from the additional housing delivery and high street diversification that it says the right can bring. So it's asking whether it should broaden the right to allow it to be used in the types of land that's currently not allowed to be used on. So that's certain protected landscapes, such as national parks and areas of outstanding natural beauty, although it does say that it would still be prohibited in World Heritage Sites. Okay, and what other key changes are they proposing to make to permitted development rights? Well, another eye-catching change is allowing hotels, boarding houses and guest houses to convert to housing. The government's saying this would either be through an expansion to the Class MA right that we've just talked about, or through creating a whole new PD right. It says that if it did go down this route of allowing hotels to convert to housing, it may be necessary to allow for local consideration of the impacts that the change could have on the local tourism economy. And it's suggesting there would be a, a prior approval process that currently, like, like the one that currently exists for the Class MA right. So there are some considerations, that there are some controls that local authorities have, although they're far more limited and they would be under a full planning application. Just quickly going through some of the other changes, Class Q barn conversions, so-called barn conversions, which allow agricultural buildings to convert to residential. Broadly, the government says it wants to allow more homes to be delivered through this right to expand the type and location of buildings that can benefit from it and extend the scope of works that can be carried out. Meanwhile, a a statement from the Housing Department published early last week said the government wants to introduce further PD rights in relation to householder works and describes these as freedoms to extend homes, convert lofts and renovate 
new buildings. A second statement from the housing department said another consultation would take place in the autumn, outlining these measures on how to better support existing homeowners extend their homes. So more changes in store. Okay, John, well, that's uh, very interesting and clearly something that is going to create relevance to many landlords and uh, and obviously to um, anybody working in development management in a, in a local authority. Looking at the other side of planning, you've uh, the, the, the government has also been consulting on changing the system of plan making, and you've been looking at that as well. Yes, that's right. So this consultation builds on proposals to change plan making that were first announced last year in a policy paper that was published alongside the levelling up and regeneration bill when that was first published. And one of the key proposals in there was a new 30-month timescale for plan preparation. So this consultation sets out further details on that. One of the key new details is that if these proposals were implemented, councils producing local plans would be required to go through six preparation stages and three mandatory gateways where authorities would have to pass through in order to get a plan in place. And according to the consultation document, the government wants what it calls assessors to check at each of these three gateway points that the plan meets legal requirements and is sound and would flag up any potential issues. It's saying the second and third gateways would involve planning inspectors and the first gateway may involve planning inspectors. Another key new detail is the government wants to introduce what it calls digital templates to help councils draft their local plans. It says that officials and ministers have consistently heard from the sector that nationally defined digital templates would support planning authorities in drafting their plans and doing so within the proposed 30-month time frame. So it wants to introduce what it calls a new series of templates setting out standardised approaches to specific parts of the plan and it's asking for views on if these templates would help and what parts of the plan would benefit from standardisation. And there's also further new details on community land auctions. So this is the government's proposed new system for capturing for the public purse more of the land value increase generated when a site is allocated for development in a local plan. Okay. And uh, given the current stasis in the system, how are these changes likely to affect plan production? Well, uh, we know there's been significant delays to local plan making in the last year, 18 months, and that's a huge concern for the development sector. Often councils have cited changes to national policy as a reason for pausing work on their plans. So these changes are likely to prompt concern, particularly as they directly relate to local plan making, that some council administrations could use this as an excuse to down tools. But the government has cited reducing delays to plan making as uh, you know, reason for introducing these proposals. It says the three mandatory gateway points are intended to reduce delays in plan making and provide a more supportive approach. And the digital templates proposal is aiming to speed things up as well. The consultation document actually says that only about 35% of authorities have adopted a local plan within the past five years. And just before the consultation was published, the Housing Minister, Rachel McLean, appeared at a built environment committee at the House of Lords, where she warned councils that things will not end well for them, which sounds very ominous, and they will face consequences if they do not carry on with their local plan preparation. So it's clearly something that's, that's very much on the government government's radar, but whether these proposals help or hinder local plan making remains to be seen. Right. Interesting. Okay. Well, thank you very much for that, John. 
There were other a couple of other uh, consultations or, or, or new bits of guidance that came out last week that I'm going to uh, attempt to sort of round up. Similarly to the, um, the the problems with the local plan system that you've just been uh, talking about, the government is also worried about the system for planning nationally significant infrastructure projects, roads, railways, major wind farms, major energy producing facilities, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, that provide the sort of backbone of the uh, of the country. The government's worried about that that system slowing up. The Living Up Department recently released a figure which said that there had been an increase of 65% in the average length of time to reach a decision on these sort of applications between 2012 and 2021. And the uh, the, the decision period had gone up from 2.6 to 4.2 years on average, with offshore wind and road development the worst hit. So they've put out this new set of proposals for what they're going to do about it. Some of the things that this says are that um, some major infrastructure projects would be able to progress from acceptance for examination to a decision within a year, according to um, an objective that they've they've set out. This so-called fast-track process would be restricted to projects that meet certain criteria. The main test would be that, in the view of the planning inspectorate, The main areas of disagreement between parties have been clearly articulated by the applicant at the pre-application stage and were sufficiently limited to make it possible to examine the application or resolve disagreements within four months. Applicants who wanted to make use of the route would also need to pay for one of the proposed new PINs pre-application services intended to ensure that applicants bring parties together to identify and address potential examination matters. As part of the package, the document also proposes to remove the rule that bars inspectors that have been involved in giving pre-examination advice from examining the application. There's lots of other stuff in the consultation, and if people are interested, they can read more about it on planningresource.co.uk. The consultation closes on the 19th of September, and alongside it, the government also launched the second round of its Innovation and Capacity Fund, which is intended to help local authorities engage in the consenting process for nationally significant infrastructure projects. Another document that the officials put out before they went on holiday was revised guidance on permissions. And this is just to address something very specific, which is the guidance around how you handle an application for development which is intended to enable working from home. Basically, there used to be a paragraph between 2014 and 2022 that said that planning permission would not normally be required to work from home or run a business from home, provided that a dwelling house remains a private residence first and business second, or put in planning terms, that a material change of use had not occurred. However, that paragraph was deleted from the guidance in January 2022 in the wake of a High Court judge saying that it was potentially misleading. And the government's newly reinstated paragraph now says that planning permission will not normally be required to homework or run a business from home, provided that homeworking or a business use is incidental to the use as a dwelling house. It states that the local planning authority must consider whether the use of the property for such purpose is reasonably incidental to its use as a dwelling house. And in instances where a material change of use has occurred, planning permission will be required, it states. 
So something new for or new guidance for uh, decision makers making decisions on applications to do things that are intended to enable working from home. So those are our main stories of recent weeks. But John, you've got a few other key stories to highlight. Yes. So I'm quickly going to go through some of the other elements of the government's many announcements it made last week on changing the planning system. It announced plans to, in its words, supercharge the city of Cambridge with new homes, infrastructure and research space, which would be funded as much as possible by land value capture. It also confirmed that developers will be required to include a second staircase in any new residential development over 18 metres high, which is significantly lower than the 30 metre limit it had previously proposed. And in a speech, the Housing Secretary Michael Gove said he wants to create what he calls a second Docklands in East London, but this time along both sides of the Thames, involving 65,000 new homes. And he also suggested that he could intervene to force London Mayor Sadiq Khan to build more housing. Just a quick mention of some other big stories that weren't part of the series of announcements from the government last week. A new planning school and master's degree has been accredited by the Royal Town Planning Institute, and that's the MA course in Urban Planning and Resilience at the Kent School of Architecture and Planning at the University of Kent. And it's the first accreditation since the RTPI paused accrediting courses last year during a review. In other news, developers face paying hundreds of thousands of pounds per hectare if they meet their impending duty to improve biodiversity by buying credits from the statutory scheme, even if the sites concerned have relatively modest biodiversity value. And that's according to a calculation by a specialist planning lawyer. He's based this claim on new government guidance that was published last week by the Department for the Environment, Food and Rural Affairs, which sets out the uh, prices for biodiversity credits. Thanks, John. And of course, listeners can read more on all of those stories at planningresource.co.uk. Any sort of quirky stories of the uh, of the last week or so? I mentioned earlier Michael Gove's criticism of the house building policies of the London Mayor Sadiq Khan. And the Prime Minister and the London Mayor have actually been engaged in a, a Twitter spat about this, where they've been attacking each other's house building records. It was covered in the Times and it's mentioned in our newspaper roundup. The Prime Minister said he, on Twitter that he had to step in to build, help build affordable house, housing in the capital because Sadiq Khan had failed to deliver the homes London needs. And then the Khan has responded by saying, are you the same guy who dropped his house building targets? So it's interesting that this kind of exchange which between two leading politicians, which would have you'd have, you'd have expected heard in the House of Commons, has been going on social media. Right. Yes, absolutely. Fantastic. Okay, well, I think our work is done. Let's get out before there are any more announcements or decisions. Great, that's another fortnight summarised. Yes, we'll be back with a bonus edition in a couple of weeks. In the meantime, don't forget to subscribe wherever you normally get your podcasts. And to get a daily bulletin of planning news, plus weekly analysis and specialist bulletins, subscribe at planningresource.co.uk. Our thanks to producers Nav Pal and Till Owen from Haymarket Business Media and Daisy Chaku from Rethink, and thanks for listening. Goodbye.